0: Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 80. I'm Evan Gulbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies that are currently available for streaming on the internet. So
1: you don't have to.
0: This week we're talking about the 2017 horror film, 1922, which comes to us from Netflix. It is a Netflix-produced film, as well as being on the service Netflix. (laughs) I do love that distinction. (laughs) It was written and directed by Zach Hilditch, based on Stephen King's... 2010 novella of the same name.
1: 2010. Fascinating.
0: Late career it, for the he's King. He's
1: still publishing, and it's crazy to me. Has like, anything...
0: So you... We've talked about this in past episodes. We don't have to go into the whole thing right now. You have your very complicated love-hate relationship with Stephen King. I sure do. Hate love, As maybe? should all people. Uh, we all
1: should have some kind of
0: love-hate relationship with them. I know you're a big fan of his children and the writing that they do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I thought you meant for a second the children that he has written, that you were referring to his characters as his children, and I was like,
0: what? I mean, you are. Because I mean, I am,
1: it. but that's what I thought you were talking about. But no, I am a fan of Joe Hill, yes. So
0: that's that's more recent um, work. I know that he's collaborated with his father on some writing, as yes, well as the other, we, 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 did the, the other we
1: did that on this podcast, was that um, Owen King is his Owen other King. son, and he and Owen write together, and... Stephen and Joe, I believe, wrote in the Tall Grass together, which was a movie we also uh, did on this
0: podcast. So yes, yeah, so I bring this back around to how do you feel about at this point in time his twenty first century work?
1: Um, I wish I had a better sense of it because I, I actually feel like he's a pretty <sighs> interesting author in that he. Could have kind of just continued to coast on his on the kind of writing that he did in the 80s and 90s, like he sure. wouldn't have had to learn or grow and he would have still have an audience. But, um, he actually is pretty politically interested in being on what it appears to be the right side of history. Um, one of his books, I actually I have not read it, but I opened it up and the, f- the quote on the inside was about, um, like Black Lives Matter, like, oh. the, like the uh. I think epigraph? It was, yeah, it was something about people getting, like, black people getting killed by the police. Epigram?
0: Epigraph? Um, Which one is ep- it? Ep. No. I think it's a gram.
1: I think it's an epig. I don't remember. Oh my God, this is really shameful.
0: Real time Googling. It is an epigraph. Okay,
1: yes. The epigraph. Um, and he just had that whole drama the other day where he liked a tweet of J.K. Rowling's, and she was like, thank you, and he was like, just kidding. Trans women are women. I don't support you. (laughs) So, like, he's, like, for all of his terrible, terrible faults, um, I actually am interested in reading some of his more recent work because he is interested in that. He doesn't just want to stay in the 80s and continue being fucking racist and shitty like he was before. Um, So I'm interested in it. I'm interested in uh, reading The Outsider... And um, a couple, there's another one, whatever the one you wrote with Owen was, something about the water. I don't know. I'm interested. I'm, I might uh, look into it a little bit after I read Misery this year.
0: We can't, neither of us have read this novella, no. but this movie would not indicate that his recent work is any good because this movie is garbage.
1: No, although I did, it, I, let's be honest here. I took five notes.
0: Oh, I took many more. I
1: took, wait, seven Seven notes I took, and the last one says, I feel like this must work so much better as a book. I'm Uh, glad you think that. I really, actually, truly believe it, because I think that we can get into this more a little bit later, but I truly feel like at the heart of this is something interesting, that this concept interests me. It's just that the execution of this movie was, as you said, terrible.
0: Yeah, I think that... I don't agree that this uh, concept interests me personally but I guess I can see how something shorter than the whatever hour 40 that this is Mm -hmm. might uh, serve it a little better. I'm going to look and see how many pages it is, actually. (laughs) I think that this is going to be a shorter episode because I don't have much to say about this movie other than I really disliked it. And I really disliked it in a way that really didn't serve the things that I like about horror. Yeah. So to contrast it, I have been... You would know. Listeners would only know this if they have been uh, scouting my letterboxed. But I have been <laughs> on a huge, like, trash slasher kick lately. Uh-huh. Uh, just cheap seventies and eighties exploitation slasher films. I'm just having a ball with them. And right now, uh, you and I are making our way through the the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Yeah. And there are some real stinkers in there.
1: I mean, honestly, even th- that is on brand for you. You unprompted put on. The Platinum Dunes Friday the 13th remake, which you famously hate. Like You put it on last night and I felt like I was having a stroke because we had a fight in the extremely early days of this podcast. People who have been listening since 2016, you will know. Um, We had a massive fight about Platinum Dunes and whether or not it was acceptable trash to eat. Uh, And so that even is the kind of trash that you're enjoying right now.
0: Yeah. It's just something something about right now. I think you said uh, earlier that it it was just because it's summer. That it's just it's (laughs) it's it's slasher season. It is
1: the summer vibe. I truly, even though Halloween, I obviously always want to watch horror movies. Like October is so dedicated to horror for us. Uh I think the summer is the perfect time to watch. It's the Friday the thirteenth vibe of just like You're going to summer camp. Let's find a slasher to do
0: next on the podcast. Maybe we'll find fun, yeah. We'll limit our our roulette on Real Good. On real good. Let's see if they can get us a slasher. Anyway, this movie, on the other hand, is Very twenty first century filmmaking and it's a lot of self serious. It's very serious. It's very dour. There's no fun to be had in this movie. Zero. It is so morose. It's it's dark in its in its material. It's the the shots of the film are dark. The cinematography is dark. There's no light. There's lots of gross stuff with rats. It's just a really
1: are you a rat hater? I'm a rat hater. So this was specifically just like I won't I won't go as far as to say triggering, but just like I don't care for it.
0: I don't care for them either. I think that they're used in a lazy way in this just to be like, ah, rats, gross. There's a lot of decomposition in this that I think is just really cheap, shitty shorthand for like, ugh, I'm looking at something unpleasant. It's horror. Because it this bit... movie does nothing, I personally, does nothing to scare the audience. It, is, it no. is horror only in a base definitional level. Because it is not trying to do anything except make you feel bad.
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny that you say that because I do feel like I feel that way about a lot of movies that you love, like, like what? Hellraiser. Uh, sure, That's sure. I feel about the kind of the Hellraiser movies, and I mean even we watched Nightmare on Elm Street uh, five today, The Dream Child, and that has a lot of just stuff that's gross for the sake of grossness.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a movie that I gave the exact same rating as nineteen twenty two. Fair enough,
1: <laughs> but I feel like it's not exclusive to a time period. It is just a style of um, horror that I don't particularly like. But this, you're right is worse in a lot of ways than those trashy things because it's not having any fun.
0: To your point, of those two movies that I think are I think I gave them both one and a half stars, they're mm-hmm. they're real like unfun, un like bad movies. If if having watched both of them in the past week, if I had to watch another one of them right now, it would be the Dream Child, dream child because yeah. Because I like looking at those images more. It's stupid. Yeah. It is beyond stupid Also it
1: has some things that are fun about it.
0: Sure, so maybe no, that's this a This isn't example. a podcast about the Dream Child, but... <laughs> anyway. I don't really want to talk about 1922, that's the problem, so we'll move through this. Right,
1: I do want to say, uh, just because I looked it up, the novel is 132 pages. So, like, genuinely, probably hours. takes yeah. up less time than this movie. Yeah. I could read this book faster than I watched this movie. Right. So, like, and actually, just to, just to shout out Stephen King for one second, the man writes horrifically long books. Yeah. Like... Way, way too long than they should ever have been written. But he also uh, writes very short novellas, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, I he, think he, one of he, his like... defining flaws of his major fiction would be that it needs an editor. Yeah. Both in terms of, obviously, a book editor does more than just uh, cut Cut pages, pages, yeah. But he needs an editor in many regards. Uh, but also, those books are so long.
1: They are. And I mean, like I think a book like It... Um, and a book like Pet Cemetery, I uh, like feel the length, and I think it makes sense because mm-hmm. there's so much story to be told. But I appreciate that like this book, 1922, is a novella more than anything. That he was like, you know what, I want to tell this little story, and I'm just gonna tell it. And he wrote short stories too, so i I actually feel like I appreciate the uh, the shorter of the. Me, I mean, doesn't isn't The Fog a novella as well? I don't know. Whatever else, the Fog or the Mist, I never remembered
0: one is his. The Mist, I believe uh, Is also like 80 pages The Fog is a Carpenter, Carpenter movie. movie The Mist know. is a Darabont movie
1: One of them is a Stephen King adaptation And it's a short It's like a short story Slash novella
0: Let's talk about 1922 Sure I guess this movie Takes place in 1922 I it... will say
1: The woman who plays The wife uh, Who gets murdered In the first, what Like 15 minutes Yeah uh, She is the least Convincing 1920 person I've ever seen In my entire life like, immediately, I thought they were doing something weird with time because she walked out on screen and we've seen, I think, already the um, father and the son. And they look convincingly 20s-ish. They look like farm people. And she literally looks like... It, it looks like they didn't even try to costume her properly. Yeah, She looks like, one, at at minimum, the 50s, right? Don't you think she looks kind of 50s-ish? Sure. And, but truly, she looks like she just walked out of...
0: 2017. It actually made me mad. The plot of this movie is that Thomas Jane is a farmer named Wilf. He's got a son and a wife. The movie opens with him saying this is my confession because he's Mm -hmm. killed his wife. The reason that he has killed his wife... Are you fine if we move through this quickly? Yes, absolutely. The reason he kills his wife is because his wife wants to sell the farm and move on. They live in uh, Hemingford Home, Nebraska, which is a as far as I can tell, a Stephen King locale, the Creation? way he invents yeah. places in Maine. Mm-hmm. He wants to stay on the homestead and grow the farm. She's inheriting a farm. We're already into more of this than I care about. Yeah, I but like He kills her because she wants to sell the farm and he wants to keep the farm. His guilt drives him insane. He forces his son to help kill his wife. His
1: mm-hmm. son
0: leaves. His son gets involved in bank robbing. Yeah, with his, like his son with dies. His, wife. his son dies. Uh... He sells the farm anyway. He uh, is racked with guilt. Uh, then he gets killed by ghosts. Yes.
1: Did I, I think... miss anything? No. The main thing, and this is why I thought it'd be better as a book, this is why I'll, I'll go into my little spiel, is that I think that, like, what this movie and pre- presumably the book also are about is the, um, what is the word that you just used? Decay. The decay of a family and of a household that, um, is metaphorically represented through literal decay and the rats. Sure. Um, that, like, when he kills his wife, involves his son in the killing of his wife, and destroys his family, we literally see it happen in front of our eyes via rats. And this whole house gets literally taken over by rats, um, in a very in a very literal way, and so that's the kind of thing that like really does work for me, and it's a very Stephen King thing to connect um, this like kind of metaphor of the family to the house, um, and I like that. I think that's that's like I said, that's the kind of thing that works for me. Um, it's why I think that I would like to read this book if I were to if I were to really do my due diligence and you know see like is this a movie problem or is this a book problem? Um,
0: So wait, let me, let me, let me question that. I know you said you wanted to spiel, but I think that a way that that would, maybe I'm thinking too literally, a way that that would work Mm -hmm. better for me is if the decay of their relationship grew with the rats. And then it, it, the, the murder is either a turning point, maybe at the halfway point or it's the climax the murder happens in ten minutes before one. Before we know any of these characters, yeah. Two, they spend a long time. I was glib about it earlier. They spend a long time talking about the actual specifics of the selling and the reasons that they want to move. Like, there's a lot of discussion of that, but none of it is rooted in character. It's literally just exposition. No, it's farm drama, so and it's we boring. don't
1: care when he kills her. Like no, I agree. I think you're talking about a different movie because I don't think that this, it, that when I say decay, it's not about their relationship or the or family even...
0: unit. Like the family is gone before the decay metaphor starts,
1: but not according to this movie. This movie takes the murder as the, I mean, as the literal death of the relationship, and therefore that is when the decay has to begin. This book this book and movie is not positing that anything was broken in their family before they did this. And maybe that's but incorrect. But there's no family left. Him and his son aren't like... Right. That's the death of the family. That's why it's decaying. And it's connected to the house, and that
0: is why the house is decaying.
1: I mean, it's, it's not complex. Yeah, I just...
0: Yeah. I don't uh, buy this... I think I fundamentally just don't buy this metaphor. That's
1: fine. And again, I think you're totally right about how we can't care about that since we don't care about these characters. Yeah. And it's a little bit... Um, Both. uh, How do I say this? Like, it's a misogynistic concept and also a feminist concept to say that the woman is the backbone of the house um, and that literally the destruction of her is the destruction of the home and the destruction of the family. Sure. I think you can pull both, like I said, feminist and misogynistic tones from that in a way that I think Stephen King also is both a feminist and misogynist. This
0: movie is, certainly uh, has nothing uh, feminist to say.
1: No, no, no. But I think that the concept of, like, when you lose a woman, what are you losing? Like, when you... Like, if the mother is gone from the family, what is that family? Yeah. Uh, and I think that, like, again, there are both horrible things and true things to say about that concept. Uh, and I think that, like, again, I th- that's why that's why I wonder if the book is better... Because I think it has potentially interesting things to say. I don't think this movie said them at all. I'm giving this concept credit, even though Stephen King is my enemy. Maybe, and maybe I shouldn't be, but I am interested in this concept. And I feel like I've seen it done better in other things. I feel like I've seen, maybe I'm getting this from somewhere, that I have seen the destruction of a house uh, connected to the destruction of the home before. And I have liked it. And I might be attributing like that a end little bit. Poltergeist? A little bit.
0: Just to tie back to things on the yeah podcast. yeah yeah
1: no I mean I that that's a great movie.
0: Sure, I could just buy what you're saying at face value, and I don't really have anything to add to no, it. No, and I but I just I. don't I don't I don't agree that it even pulls that off even on a rudimentary level. Sure. Because I think that this movie has two modes, and I'm being really harsh on it. I know, but it's either boring or it's gross, and that it's briefly gross, and then it goes back to boring. Correct. There's there's whole plot lines where. There's there's investigations that lead to literally nothing. They kill a cow for basically no reason other than to justify. Like, there's a lot.
1: And you and you would wish that there it would could be interesting because I think that like the potential of this bank robbing subplot could be interesting.
0: Yeah, the, that could. I mean, he gets the son gets the girlfriend pregnant before they run away together. Um, Thomas Jane. I don't. Wilf... We should talk about the name Wolf too. Uh, he takes out a mortgage and then he's going to do some house repair and then he just doesn't he just drinks like he, but there's a scene where he goes to the bank and they talk about this like yeah. there's so much extraneous stuff in here that i mean frankly i probably wouldn't like this if it was half an hour long but you could get it to a half an hour and lose nothing yeah like i i sincerely mean nothing yeah. like this could be a short film like i just don't
1: yeah i think we're operating on a who cares about farm drama at base level? Yeah. Right. Like this movie, even if it were expertly made and uh, really well acted and and had incredible source material, um, I think there's a world in which we still wouldn't really care about it just because you and I are not like 20s we don't care farm about farm drama people. Incident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there is a way to do this better, where it at least is more interesting. Yes. Like where it's not just literally a slog from beginning to end, where yeah, I just I feel like there's points where I just like wasn't even watching it
0: because I was just like nothing's happening. Yeah, do you want to talk about Wolf? In, in the name, just the character. He's nothing. Thomas Jane is a pretty good actor. My favorite use of him is when he's a vegan police in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Oh, it's very that's funny.
1: Yeah.
0: He's doing a voice in this movie, that is it. It never stops being. first of all, it feels very inconsistent. But it never stops being like a parody of like a gruff voice. Yeah. Like you know how in the 2018 A Star Is Born, there's the whole conversation about how Bradley Cooper stole that voice from Sam Elliott. Yeah. It sounds like that's what he did because he's. Yeah. It's absurd and distracting, and it's part of why I can't buy into this character because he he is talking like
1: like a caricature of that character, like a Looney Tune. Yeah.
0: Like what? <laughs> It's insane! The character is nothing. Wilf is apparently short for Wilfred, but all I could think is, wife I'd like to fuck? I don't know, something <laughs> I'd like to like. Wilf? They call him Wilf all the time. It's insane. Uh,
1: I know other characters named Wilf. Maybe that's why it didn't Who's distract named me. Who's Wilf? Hold on. You're Googling? I'm Googling again. There are other characters named Wilf, and I will tell you
0: who they are. I just... This man... It The, the framing device is that we already know he's lost his mind to some extent because he's writing this confession, and there's these... Cutaways to these shots of him where he's got a beard. Oh,
1: Doctor Who. Wilfred Mott uh, is a character in Doctor Who. He's a great character.
0: No opinion.
1: Also a character in World of Warcraft.
0: That's more up my alley, but There's I don't many, know.
1: It's a very British name, it looks like. A
0: lot of characters named named. Fascinating. North. I'm just letting you anyway, know. Anyway, I found it distracting, in part because I think the performance is pretty bad. Yeah. But again, you he's really- He's not given anything,
1: though. It's not You really have to fault. spend
0: almost all of the screen time with him. Yeah. It's one of those performances that it has to carry the movie and it doesn't. And I think that the Correct. There's a lot of flaws here again. We've talked about them in the writing and in the directing, but this performance does not step up and as a result, it's unwatchable. It's just so mm-hmm. it's such a slog and it makes me so irritated.
1: Yeah. I'm irritated about like just the little things about it too that like I I like I already said about the wife feeling like she's a 2017 person like couldn't ever buy into her yeah and her their son is supposed to be 14 (laughs) and the actor playing him was 18 and he looks 18 and so i couldn't like you know it'd be really fucking horrifying if they actually cast a 14 year old to help kill his mother accidentally impregnate his girlfriend become a bank robber like yeah that would all be terrifying from a 14 year old it's... I mean, it's not great for an 18-year-old, obviously, but, like... But it doesn't It, just, matter. it, it didn't come it's across. Empty. Yeah, it's totally empty if you don't cast... Like, just make the character 18. It was just really stupid. I couldn't... I couldn't... When things like that are the way that they are, I couldn't even buy in for a moment. It yeah, was just, no, like... From the beginning, I was just like, I'm not... I don't care.
0: I have literally one more thing to say about this movie. Do it. Say it. Which is... uh, The sheriff comes to investigate, and... It is flavor of love, Beyoncé meme. Brian Darcy James? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Veteran character actor of screen and stage. Uh,
1: I forgot about that. I love him so much.
0: He's It's a nothing part. No. He doesn't He doesn't wow me. Sorry, I love Brian Darcy James. He doesn't wow me. He's not giving anything to wow you with. He has nothing to do. It's not his fault. I'm just saying. That's what I'm saying. He showed up and I was like, oh my god. Our boy. Okay, Brian bye. Darcy James. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? Because I... Nope, nope, nope. I hate to deliver so little... Uh, juicy podcast content after we took a short break um, during the month of June. But this movie isn't worth our time and frankly, listeners, it's not worth yours either. No. Like,
1: we can have fun with movies that are terrible. This is just worth This, just, it, this just isn't
0: worth it. And I would love, the quicker we move on from this, the better for me. Sorry, Zach Kilditch. Sorry, Stephen King. <laughs> Don't apologize, Stephen King. He's fine. I do want to note before we move on, um, this movie has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I saw
1: that over your shoulder. What the fresh hell? Its audience is that score critic? is much lower.
0: That's critics' score. That's critics.
1: Well, they're stupid.
0: I, I find that, frankly, insane. No, Rotten Tomatoes is no be-all and-all. I will disparage it plenty. Yeah. But that means that a significant majority of people at least liked it. They liked it. They thought it was like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was yeah. all right. That's insane. Yes. This movie sucks. It's... I don't...
1: Even having a 75% rating would be too high for it. 91 is
0: insane. And it's not like people were bamboozled by the theatrical experience. This is a Netflix original. right? It's <laughs> really funny. What? Like. <laughs> uh... Sorry, critics. you dumb. You know, during June, we thought about doing a short little episode to highlight a couple things that it felt like were were either uh good contributions to the conversation on things that need to be seen or just thematic for Pride Month. Uh-huh. Um and then I had dental surgery and we never got around to yeah. it. Yeah.
1: And it feels good to shout it out now because we're this is the shortest uh, we've probably ever talked about a movie. Yeah. <laughs> so like we can spend some time talking about other uh much, much better.
0: We are not sponsored by Shudder, though. Shudder, if you would like to
1: yeah, we love
0: it. I spend all my time on Shudder. Evan literally watched a Shudder all day. Shudder and Criterion Channel is just like yeah. always up on two screens. Mm-hmm. Shudder has put out a couple of documentaries that we wanted to talk about. Um, One we have already talked about on this podcast before. Which is Hard Noir, which we did in a... Whichever episode was our like, catch-up on what we've been watching for a while. It would have
1: been like the end of like November last year, yeah. or
0: beginning of December. Uh, it's a documentary from last year. Uh, Hard Noir, History of Black Horror, directed by Xavier Bergen. That we don't want to, you know, we've talked about this before, but uh, it's about black representation like uh, in horror films Mm -hmm. um, through the ages and the ways that it has both changed, uh, improved and gotten worse in various ways. Yeah. And also is a great, aside aside from being a uh, legitimately fantastic documentary, is a great place of like where to start if if you want to watch a bunch of uh, great black characters in horror films. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially with Candyman Naida Costa's Candyman coming out mm-hmm. later this year. It's a it's a good little I guess watch list.
1: Yeah. And the people who are on it, the filmmakers that they have are fantastic. Yes. Everyone all the talking cats are just great. Um, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful movie, uh documentary. I I absolutely love everything about it and I highly recommend it to literally everyone.
0: Absolutely. The other shattered documentary worth highlighting, though Pride Month has now ended is it just came out this past month and it's called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: It is about Mark Patton, um, who starred in uh Nightmare on Elm Street two. It doesn't have a like Freddy's a, Revenge. Freddy's Revenge. Uh and how when it came out, um Mark Patton was a closeted, um, gay actor and it was decided among all people that Mark Patton could not play straight and that the romance in um, the heterosexual romance of the movie was totally bullshit and uh, that he was absolutely a queer character and it it both, you know, ignited a lot of homophobes, but also ignited a lot of uh, queer people who were like, that's us. We're represented on screen and they kind of took it and claimed it. Um,
0: Yeah. it's, It's kind of interesting history. And I think that the documentary does a great job of like, outlining it's it's a more positive spin but nightmare on elm street 2 for people who don't know uh was long derided for being such a gay movie. yeah, like it was it was made fun of for that. Yeah, and has now been reclaimed,
1: yes, but, but I I think, that's a relatively so talked about in the documentary reclaiming it even when they saw it, sure. That was a much more minority voice, oh at absolutely. The yeah. Uh, but yes. but and Mark Patton's career ended, yeah, because of it. And so he is the star of the documentary. It is It is his movie. Um, and he's a wonderful very heartwarming man to hear talk but in there's it, it's a it's documented that has got a lot of good and a lot of bad to it yeah um in terms of what this movie did um but it's really important to a lot of people and it's very interesting um to see and hear about
0: and nightmare on the street 2 is a movie that i think you know we, we just rewatched it before this It's a movie that's worth revisiting it's certainly not perfect but having having been watching some of those later entries it's uh now it looks fantastic,
1: yeah. comparatively,
0: uh, compared to The Dream Child.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, highly recommend uh, Scream Queen as well.
0: Absolutely. Would you like to spin that roulette and try to find... Something? Something slashy. Yeah. Our next movie will be...
1: Well, Freddy versus Jason.
0: <laughs> Should we do it? <laughs>
1: Do I feel like I need more Freddy, Jason uh, knowledge to walk
0: into this movie? Here's the problem. I don't think we should do this now. Because I, we're literally in the middle. We're towards the end of a Nightmare on Elm Street rewatch. Like franchise rewatch. Uh-huh. And we talked just last night about how we were going to watch all the Friday the 13th movies, which I've seen and you haven't. Yes. So I think that we should do this later this year.
1: Okay. You think we should
0: just choose to do it?
1: Yeah. It's on Hulu. You think it'll stay there? We'll have to see. Don't leave Hulu, Freddy vs. Jason. We need to but watch you. But now our
0: listeners can hold us accountable. Our next movie will be...
1: Ready or Not.
0: Oh. I've We've seen... seen
1: this movie. We've yeah. seen
0: it twice. I've only seen it once. From last year, I've seen it twice.
1: Yeah. Would you like to do this? Would you like to? I kind of would. I I would, I would this. like to revisit again. And we had actually arguments after we saw this in theaters. And I'm curious to see like what
0: uh, a rewatch would do for it. It's not a Summer Slasher, but it's a.
1: No, but it is
0: great. (laughs) I love it. It's a a pretty good movie. It's a fun movie.
1: I like it a lot. All right, Ready or Not. Where is it? It is on HBO Max.
0: Oh, yeah. We got HBO Max. Hell yeah. Our first HBO Max entry. Yeah.
1: (laughs) All
0: right. So our next movie will be Ready Ready or Not 2019.
1: Amazing. I love it. I'm excited. I'm actually very excited to watch it, and I've really been wanting to.
0: It's a fun movie. Yeah. I actually recommend, so listeners, I recommend you watch this one. It is... So we can spoil the hell out of it. Yeah, it is worthwhile. Uh, Even if, spoiler alert, one of us may have more misgivings about it than the other, this is a worthwhile (laughs) film, for sure. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Great. Perfect. All right. See you guys next time. (laughs)
0: Let's just end it there. (laughs) No, 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 no. Until next time. <laughs> you can check us out on our website, at NowScreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook, at NowScreaming. Especially Twitter. Especially Twitter. Which is a place you can use to tell your friends to follow us on Twitter and leave us ratings.
1: Yeah, because we've been having fun on Twitter lately with um, our live tweets.
0: Yeah. Though, the last drive-in show is now over for the year. Sad. We'll still try to live tweet Maybe we things.
1: should do live tweet other things. We should do our own little...
0: What if we live tweet our... Right on the street... Oh my god, us. we probably should. It's actually probably too late for that. Tell Because we missed the bad ones. One person, respond to us and tell us if you'd want us to live tweet our Friday the 13th watches. Yeah. No one's going to do it, and therefore <laughs> we won't. Just like when we asked you guys to tell us how, what you thought of video content, and none of you responded. So, thanks listeners. Don't
1: shame the listeners. All right. Everyone's
0: busy. Live your lives. Thank you as always to Wes Craven, but no thank you to Stephen King. Write a better novella. Wow. I can't say that. Ever read the
1: fucking novella? It's fine. I mean, you you know him as a as a writer in general.
0: Thank you to Stephen King for many things. Yeah, I think this film thank him. not one of them. Not
1: not nineteen twenty two, but he did a lot of other stuff that was thank you to Stephen King
0: good. for your good work.
1: <laughs> your fine work. Some of it's good. Yeah, I say this is. I've dedicated my life to him, but you know, it's fine. John Carpenter's Christine, Brian De Palma's Carrie, The Shining, Andy Muschietti's It, Chapter One and Two. <laughs> All
0: right. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) Stay spooky. Stay spooky.